Well, hey everyone, thanks for checking out this message from Journey Church. These resources are so awesome to have when you're out in nature like we are and you gotta go be outside on these nice days. However, we want you to know that there is nothing better than true fellowship with believers and live worship with your fellow Christians. So be sure to use this message only in conjunction with getting fed in a community of believers. Hey, we also want you to get connected with us, so be sure to text the word CONNECT to 307-271-9160 so that you can stay in the loop with everything happening at Journey Church and get notifications about upcoming events. Hey, we pray that this message encourages you and inspires you as you continue this life on your walk with Jesus. If you have your Bible with you today, turn it to Ephesians chapter 2 as we continue in our series of messages called Sit, Walk, Stand. I want to apologize right away this morning because Pastor Grant, who just gave the announcements, lied as he was giving the announcements. He said he would love to greet you with either a handshake, a high five, or a hug, whatever you prefer. That is not true. He hugs me all the time, and I don't prefer that. <laughs> I prefer the handshake or the high five, but he, he just, as a giant man, just wraps his arms around me and makes me feel uncomfortable. But maybe he'll be more respectful of your boundaries than he is to my boundaries. Good to have the ladies up here today. I was telling them this morning, and I don't know how many of you would remember this, if you were uh, maybe a, a Christian in the 90s or 2000s, early 2000s, there was a, uh, a three-part uh, ladies group called Point of Grace. I think there were three, three in that, and I said, this is our new modern-day Point of Grace up here today. It was just so great to have these ladies singing today, and they're so uh, a huge improvement over looking at Stephen, too. I would just say, say that. Now, Stephen has... He will be back. He has been on a missions trip in the Dominican Republic, and that has just been absolutely uh, life-changing. He's sent me several different updates, and he'll share about those things and share about that experience and uh, been working with orphans down there and those less fortunate, and that's been a huge thing. You know, it, it just helps you to realize that life is all about perspective, in the U.S., we have it really good. We have all kinds of stuff. We can just drive to the store and buy things. We have food readily available everywhere we go, and it's a different perspective everywhere else in the world. It reminded me of the story of the Grand Canyon. The Grand Canyon is uh, incredibly massive, as many of you know. Many of you have been there uh, and seen that. It is anywhere between 3 miles and 20 miles wide. It's 200 miles long. Long. It is just this huge hole in the ground, and the incredible way that you view it is all about the perspective that you have. There were, there were uh, on one occasion, there were three men standing at the opening of the Grand Canyon, an artist, a minister, and a cowboy. The artist looked at the Grand Canyon and said, what a beautiful scene to paint. It's just magnificent. The minister looked at this, this great Grand Canyon and said how incredible this example of the handiwork of God. The cowboy who was standing there looked at this hole in the ground and said, what a terrible place to lose a cow. And that was his perspective. Life is all about perspective and how you look at it. As we mention that, the book of Ephesians is really the Grand Canyon of Scripture. Many people think of the book of Ephesians as 
as Paul's ultimate, uh, the penultimate writing that he had, the holy of holies that Paul had in his description of all that God has done and our relationship with him. The premise of the book of Ephesians is it's laid out in three parts. The first section is about sitting. It's learning to sit and receive and rest in who God is, about having him correct and reverse the thinking. And then we have the section of walking. How do I walk with him through life? What does he want me to do to walk in a manner worthy of him? And then we have the section of standing. How do I stand firm in God's grace, firm in God's truth against the spiritual battles and the spiritual warfare that we face? Well, today we're going to get into the book of Ephesians chapter 2, and we are going to look at verses 1 through 7. This is one of two parts where we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 10, where we are going to understand and talk about this incredible, amazing grace of God that he gives to humanity that we need to receive from him in this idea of sitting and resting and receiving. Let's read it and then let's pray. Paul writes these words in verses 1 through 7 of chapter 2. And he's talking to you and I, and he's talking to the church in Ephesus, and he's talking about this incredible thing that God has done for us. He says these words, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. At that time, when you were dead, you walked in the way of this world in conformity to the ruler of the domain of the air, the ruler of the spirit who is now operating in the sons of disobedience. We too all lived among them in the cravings of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and the mind. By nature, we were children of wrath, just like the others. And then the most incredible two words, but God, even though we were, but God was rich in mercy. Because of his great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Messiah. By grace, you have been saved. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Messiah Yeshua, in Christ Jesus. To show in the Olam Abba, which is the end of the ages or the coming future with God, the measureless richness of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus, in Messiah Yeshua. Let's pray as we get into this word today. Father, we have worshipped you with our singing. And it's a glorious thing to hallow your name and worship you through song to lift up our praises to you. You are worthy of our praise. You are deserving of our praise. So often we try to turn it on ourselves and we want to be the center of attention. But Lord, it's not us, it's you. And we want to worship you. You are worthy to receive our praise. Now, after worshiping you through song, help us to worship you through your word. Help us to grow in your grace. Give us hearts ready to receive, ears ready to hear, and a mind ready to comprehend your truth. Help us, Lord, to understand how you have moved us from the graveyard to glory, how you've moved us from death to life, and what an amazing, amazing gift that is. Lord, as we study your word now, be with us. May you be glorified and honored, and I pray, Lord, that you would do something special among us here today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, 
I talked about the Grand Canyon. The book of Ephesians is very much the Grand Canyon of Scripture. It is the wide part of Scripture. It is the beautiful perspective of Scripture. It is all that God has wanted to do in the relationship that we have with him. Today, we are going to look at that little section that we read, and we'll continue it on next week. But really, we could call these verses from the graveyard to glory. We start at the graveyard of sin, and we move, Paul moves, through a very pivotal time. He starts in a very sour note, and he moves through a pivotal time where we move from the graveyard into this incredible relationship with God. This incredible relationship that we have the privilege of sharing with God. It's an amazing thing of what God does. We move from this graveyard to this glory as we walk through. You were dead, Paul says. He says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins, and now we're going to move into grace land. Not Elvis's grace land. We are going to move into God's grace land. Another way to say that is the title I have for the message this week and next, part one and two, is From the Walking Dead to the Grateful Cured. I don't know if you, hopefully not, but hopefully you're not fans of The Walking Dead, but maybe some people are. You know, that has been a phenomenon that has happened since I can remember in the 1970s. I remember all kinds of movies and shows that were designed to look at this zombie apocalypse that happens in the world. There was things like Dawn of the Dead and, and Day of the Dead and The Return of the Dawn of the Dead or something like that. There are all kinds of movies. I remember seeing one as a, as a young teenager, I went over to a friend's house and he was watching this movie and I watched it with their family and it creeped me out so much so that I never wanted to see anything like that again. And now it's become popularized as a TV show or a TV series and there's all kinds of series like this that you have around all of the walking dead who have been infected in some way and there are a handful of people that are, that are not infected that have been cured perhaps and they're trying to escape all of this destruction that is happening. Well, Paul lays out the walking dead of the world and the fact that if you are a believer in Christ, you were one of them, but now you have been set free. You are a part of what Paul is going to refer to as this walking dead. If you were to take a canvas and try to paint the testimony of your life, you would start with a big can of black paint, and you would take that canvas and dump the black paint all over the canvas. You'd let it dry, you'd hold it up, and you'd say, this is my life. And then you'd take a can of white paint, if you know Christ, and you'd start to draw streaks of white paint across the black canvas, illustrating God's light streaking into my life. And then you'd dump the whole can of white paint covering every part of the black. It is an amazing thing that God does in our lives. Well, let's look at the words of Paul and break, the, break down what it looks like to be part of the walking dead and what it looks like to be part of the grateful cured that God cures in life. He starts again with these words, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. This is how all of humanity is. All of humanity is dead in their trespasses and sins. You know, amazingly, these first verses of the book of Ephesians chapter 2 are amazingly comparable to the first couple of verses in the beginning of the book of Genesis. 
And I want to show you this comparison, and I want you to realize how similar this is. And I want to make this very personal for you in the book of Genesis. In Genesis chapter 1, and I'm going to change some of the, some of the writing here. I'm not changing the word of God, but I want to make it personal for you. Look at what it says. In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. And I want you just to hear this in a personal way. In the beginning, God created you. Or you could say, God created me. So let's make it even a little more personal. Let's just say, in the beginning, God created me. We talk about Sanctity of Life Sunday. This is why we value life, why we hate abortion, why we are opposed, diametically, uh, di- whatever. Uh, we're opposed to abortion because God created life. He created you. He created me. In the beginning, God created me. Now, I, I was chaos and waste and darkness was on me and the spirit of God the Ruach Elohim was hovering upon me and then God said let there be light and there was light the creation story itself is not just a creation of God's creation of the planets and the universe and the world as we know it's a story of you and it's a story of me in the beginning God created me. He created you. But there was a problem. And notice what it says that the problem was. There was waste, darkness, there was chaos. And that describes our lives apart from God. My life was chaotic. Was yours? I remember my life before I met the Lord, before I followed him and had a relationship with him. My life was chaotic. My life was being wasted. And my life was full of darkness. And and I wasn't just this horribly bad person. You could say ethically good in many ways. But still, my life was full of chaos and waste and darkness. Was yours? You should say yes, because it absolutely was, because all life is. And God came to that chaotic person who was wasting life, whose life was full of darkness, and came upon me and said, let there be light. And the darkness dissipated, and the light came in, and God did something incredible. Go back to Paul's words. He says this, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. And this is where we have this this concept, this idea of the walking dead. How do you mean I'm dead? We're not dead. People who don't know the Lord, they're not dead, are they? They're still walking around. They're doing life. They're having life. Well, death, what we can go back to the beginning of the study of the book of Ephesians, we can think of us as three-part beings. We can think of us as having those three things that we have talked about in the past. We We are full of and have a body. We have a soul. And we have a spirit. And what is dead in us is the spirit. Our spirit is that which communes with God, has a relationship with God, and go to be with God forever. If you don't have God in your life, you are spiritually dead. And what that looks like is this picture. Spirits that are dead that have to do what Pastor Grant talked about last week, being born again. 
How am I born again? I don't enter back into my mother's womb. Do I know? We're not talking about physical being born again. We're talking about spiritual. Your spirit has to come to life. And so Paul says, the world is dead and you were dead and your life was chaotic and wasted and full of darkness and you were dead going to hell because you were dead and God makes you alive. God makes you born again. So going back to what he says, you were dead because of in your trespasses and sins. That's how you were dead. In Genesis chapter 2 verse 15, God warns Adam and Eve of this spiritual death. To Adam, before Eve was created, God said these words. Then Adonai Elohim, the Lord God, took the man and gave him rest in the Garden of Eden in order to cultivate it and watch over it. And he had a relationship with God and he walked with God and he talked with God and he had a life devoted to God. Then Adonai Elohim, the Lord God, commanded the man, saying, From all of the trees of the garden, you are most welcome to eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you must not eat. For when you eat it, other versions say, the day you eat it, you will most assuredly die. Now we know the story. Adam and Eve did not die in the day that they ate from it physically. What died in that day was their relationship with God. No more did they have access to God. Now they're kicked out of the garden. They have no access to him, no relationship with him, and they will live life being dead people walking from that moment forward. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In Proverbs chapter 8, through Solomon, it says this, But whoever fails to find me, God, harms his life. All who hate me love death because they will be dead people walking from that time forward. In the book of Ephesians chapter 4, we will get to this. It describes this spiritual death when it says they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness that is in their heart. You were dead, Paul says. Is that true of you? Can you say, that is in the rearview mirror of my life? Or is that who you are today? Walking in death today. A dead person walking because you've never asked Jesus to come into your life. That is part of our, our desperate need is to accept Jesus, to become born again and no longer be part of the walking dead. Well, Paul describes what the walking dead looks like. Here's what he says, again, Ephesians chapter 2, let's le look at it together. You were dead, so notice that again, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. At that time, you walked in the way of this world. That is the first clue of the walking dead, walk following the way of the world. What does that mean? It's, I'm not different. I'm exactly the same. I walk according to the world's principles and philosophies. I participate in, am part of, follow along with, and just live out my life according to the world's principles. That is what it means to walk following the way of the world. We're going to learn about walking in the next section of Ephesians, but walking is how you live your life. And people who are the walking dead live their life the way everybody else does and go along with what everybody else does. 
He goes on to say this. Not only were you dead and you walked in this world, but you also walked in conformity to the ruler of the domain of the air. What does that mean? It means the people who are the walking dead conform to Satan's plan. That means they are being squeezed into what Satan wants to accomplish. And they're walking according to this, living out this as part of life, conforming to the plan that Satan has. Satan is the ruler of the world. He has the world in chaos, waste, and darkness, and he just wants you to be a part of that. You be in that. We are in this world. We live in this world, but we are not part of the world. We are exiles in this world because we have been made alive. The walking dead walk in conformity to Satan's plan. This is why groups of people are trying to tell you how you need to think. And if you don't think the same way, they will shame you, ridicule you, ruin your life until you conform to their ideas. Because that's the conformity of Satan's plan. 1 John chapter 2 says this about Satan's plan. It says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Everything that is in the world, the desire of the flesh, that is what's going to make me happy fleshly, things I ingest into myself for everything, the desire of the flesh, the desire of the eyes, everything I see and lust after, and the boasting of life, the pride of life. I don't need God. I can do it myself. That is not from God. It is the way of the world. It is the pattern of the world. It is the plan of Satan. The world is passing away with its desire, but the one who does the will of God abides forever. So he says, you were dead in your trespasses. You walked in the world. You were in conformity to Satan's plan. The ruler of the spirit who is now operating, note this word, in the sons of disobedience. I just want you to note that word. Because what it says is this, they were disobedient to God. Now, the word disobedient in the Greek language is fascinating. Because it is the Greek word apatheia, which is where we get our word apathy. The sons of disobedience are apathetic toward God. What, what does apathy mean? Well, it means lack of interest, lack of enthusiasm, lack of concern, indifference. They're not outright being rebellious. When you were like that, you were not maybe just outright being rebellious. You were just apathetic and indifferent and not really caring about God. And that's how Satan traps people. Not to get them to go out and murder people necessarily. Not to get them to go out and be drug dealers somewhere. He just gets them apathetic. Indifferent to God. Pay no attention. And when that's the case, he has people right where he wants them. You were dead, walked away of the world, followed Satan's plan, disobedient by being apathetic. We too all lived among them in the cravings of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and the mind. So what else can we see? Well, indulging the flesh and the mind. So the way of the world, walking dead are people who are walking according to the ways. They're conforming to Satan's plan. They're just apathetic and they indulge whatever makes them feel good, whatever makes them feel good mentally or physically or emotionally. And then finally, he says this. He says, by nature, 
We were children of wrath, just like the others. So what does that mean? The walking dead have a death sentence over them. They are destined for wrath. You know what breaks my heart? Is that this describes not only who I was, but it describes family members, friends, co-workers, acquaintances, high school mates, college mates. This describes the world. They have a death sentence and don't even know it and are apathetic toward God and walk in God's, not in God's plan, in Satan's plan, conforming to the world, and they have a death sentence. Thankfully, you have been set free. How many people are you bringing with you that you are sharing the gospel, saying you need to get set free and go from the walking dead instead to the grateful cured? Well, God gives us, through the apostle Paul, the picture of what the grateful cured is Here's what he says. Those incredible words, almost the most beautiful words of scripture are these, but God, you were dead, part of the walking dead, death sentence upon you, the wrath of God, the, the consequence on you. But God did something amazing in your life and in the lives of others. But God in the waste and darkness and chaos hovered over your life and you were made alive. But God, not about me, not what I have done, he was rich in mercy. I wasn't, he was. I didn't love him, but because of his great love with which he loved us, his great love, he loved me when I least deserved it. What did he do? Even when I was dead in my trespasses, he made me alive together with Jesus. Jesus overcoming death, he makes me alive with him. How amazing is the grace of God. That he would look at the waste and the chaos and the darkness of my life and bring light to me and make me alive from the dead. I couldn't do it. I couldn't earn it. He did it in my life. He reached down into the depths and saved me by grace. By grace, you have been saved. Now, next week, I want to talk more about the grace of God, but I want to give you an illustration that is a heart-wrenching one. So have the tissues ready as I share this illustration. 2002, there was a story called Savannah's Baby Grace. 2007, they did a follow-up to this story about this little girl. This little girl today, I think, would be 23 But it was called Savannah's Baby Grace. And I want to read this story for you. In January 2002, a baby was abandoned by its mother in Savannah, Georgia. Many in the community now know her as Baby Grace. Ronald Shepard, a sanitation worker for Atlantic Waste, found her in a dumpster behind the car dealer. It was a cold morning around 4 a.m. when Shepard found baby Grace. She was lying 
on some styrofoam in the dumpster. She was wrapped in a towel. Her umbilical cord was still attached. Shepard was getting ready to empty the dumpster into his trash truck, but something suddenly stopped him. That morning, Shepard described what happened next. He says these words, and I quote, I seen something moving in the dumpster. I looked at and seen a little hand like it popped out of nowhere. He said, it was a little child and I stopped. I was just this close to dumping that thing. Baby Grace was a newborn girl discovered in a dumpster by a garbage worker amidst the refuse of a ghetto area of Savannah lying in pornography, in the green broken glass of discard, discarded cheap wine bottles, in coffee grounds and rotting food, in that there was a little tiny girl, not over a day old. The garbage collector pulled her out of the dumpster and named her Baby Grace, and the story of Baby Grace began to change hearts in that community. Shepard still works at Atlantic Waste, and one of his coworkers said today that Shepard still does not like to talk about that experience. Paramedics rushed baby Grace to the hospital. Nurse manager Debbie O'Connor was on duty at the emergency room at Memorial Health that morning. She was crying and cold, the nurse recalled. She was a precious baby that the nurse said she will never forget. The staff fell in love with her and everybody on duty wanted to take her home, but she needed a lot of medical attention more than many babies do. But today, she has been adopted and was living now in northern Georgia. God looks into the dumpster of life, into the dumpster where society has thrown and discarded and sets free and pulls people to freedom. It is by grace you have been saved. And why is she called grace? Because she was saved miraculously. And why do we have it as grace? Because God miraculously has saved us. He did not do this because I deserved it. He did this because he loves you and I and wants to save us. And it says this, not only does he want to save you, but he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Messiah Yeshua to show in the ages to come the measurelessness, richness of his grace in kindness toward us in Messiah Yeshua. What does that mean? It means that not only does he reach down into the depths today and save you, not only does he free you from being part of the walking dead and give you his grace and mercy, not only does he show incredible love to you, but this is not the end. He will raise you up with him into glory. And in glory, notice what is going to happen. He will show you in the ages to come measureless richness of his grace in kindness toward any of you who have believed in Jesus, which means the best is yet to come. There is a future and a hope that is far better than anything we see here. 
And what that should encourage you to do is put up with this world. Bear with it. Bear with the problems and the pains and the suffering and the struggles. Bear with the hurt and the heartache. Bear with the problems that you have to face, the difficulties that lie ahead of you. Bear with all of it because nothing compares to the measureless richness of his grace that he is going to show you in the eternity that is set before you. So how do we wrap up this message today? Well, I want to remind you of those words. Paul says this, you were dead. How many of you can say that in the past tense? You were, I was dead. But now I have been made alive. I have been born again by God. My spirit has come to life because I've accepted him. And I can look forward to what God has in store for me. But I want to challenge you. Not only were you dead, how many around you do you absolutely know they are dead? Are you praying for them? Are you talking to them? Are you reaching out in love to them? Pastor Grant was telling me after the message last week, the born again experience that he sent it to all of his siblings, this message, and none of them are saved. In the hopes that maybe just maybe one or multiple of them might respond to the message and might move from the walking dead to the grateful cured. Are you doing that as well? We're going to close today with a word of prayer. And then the band, I thought just appropriate, I just asked them at the beginning of the week if they would come up and close us with the song, Amazing Grace, just to celebrate and remember the grace of God that he gives to each one of us that when we were dead, by grace, he has made us alive. Let's pray. Father, I hope that everyone in this room can say with certainty that I was dead but now I have been made alive. You took the chaos of life, the chaos that was our lives, the darkness, the waste of our lives, and you hovered over that and you brought light in. You spoke life in. You changed us from the inside out. And now, in gratitude, we have been made new. And so, Lord, as we sing this song, help us to worship you from our, from our toes, Lord, in the goodness that you have provided and the grace that you have given. Help us to sing out to you, not caring what anybody else says, because you have indeed given us amazing grace. I pray for those today that don't know you, that this would be the day where they say to you, Jesus, please. Forgive me. Come into my heart and make me alive. Help me to know you, to be changed by you, to walk with you, and to receive your amazing grace. If any today, Lord, are ready to do that, willing to do that, I pray that they would have that moment with you where they get their hearts right. Father, thank you for being with us now. Thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks so much for checking out that message from Journey Church. We pray that it inspired you to trust the Lord, to treasure people, and to transform our world with the saving gospel message of Jesus Christ. 
If God is leading you to give to this ministry, be sure to head over to journeychurchgillette.com and hit the give icon in the bottom right-hand corner. Your generous contributions allow us to continue making content like this week after week. So thank you for your generosity so that we can keep spreading the message of Jesus Christ all over the internet. Hey, God bless you guys, and thanks for listening to this message.